0: 18 plus.
1: Hi, everybody! It's Russ from My Hammers Eleven. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, obviously, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notifications. so you're uh, notified, of course, of any time we put new uh, new content up. Lots of great guests. I know I say that every episode, but it's true. Uh, including today's guest, he's a busy, busy man. When obviously he's he's not doing his day job, he is the uh, host producer of the West Ham Way podcast, co-creator of the West Ham Way pre-match events. I'd love to go to one of them, but I'm too busy. (laughs) I'm at the ground at like half 10, so it never works for me. And also he's co-creator of Sex, Drugs and Colton Cole. He's a busy man, but he's got time to talk to us today. It's Dave Walker. Hi, Dave. How are you, man?
2: I'm very good, mate. I'm top dollar in these crazy times, but no, I can't complain, mate. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you. Again, can't complain. We've got similar haircuts. Mine, mine wasn't meant to be. This, mine wasn't meant to be this short, but my my wife put the wrong clipper setting on, and so. hey. Bates, I just, I just yeah, do you know? Do
2: you know what? Whilst I'm I'm missing taking the kids bowling or the cinema or taking the whole family to a restaurant, or whatever. I really am missing going to a qualified barber because, yeah. like you. I've given the clippers to my missus and fuck me, i look like i've been in the fire by the time she's well, finished so.
1: originally i gave her uh, t- it was for i gave her um, like my beard trimmer clippings and then like, i had alopecia because they didn't work so finally we got something anyway <laughs> <laughs> i know well, it, take- w- it was my wife it was my wife's birthday yesterday so i had to sort of like you know lockdown birthday you yeah. know what can you do yeah. so i ended up converting the garret the, the the garden into an outdoor cinema and stuff and yeah, I know, oh, well, I can feel, I know it was cool. And it's my daughter's next week as well. So May is always a busy time for me.
2: Oh, wow. Well, you've yeah. set the bar now for
1: your daughter's birthday. I don't know how you're going to talk Yeah, she's that. like, I want that, I want that, I want that. I, mate, <laughs> I, I figured out how to make, and obviously it's nothing West Ham related, but I, I figured out how to make a sausage egg McMuffin, you know, like McDonald's, um, yeah. including the round egg. So I did that for like breakfast and it was like, yeah, set the bar. But you know, next year it'd be easier, hopefully. Next year it'll only cost me three quid for a rather but than you can dance. come
2: around and do the McDonald's breakfast for my birthday, my Yeah, maybe, yeah,
1: sure. I do it like a delivery service, you know. <laughs> I have to leave it outside two metres away. But apart from that. Anyway, let's talk about happier times. Obviously, <laughs> the purpose of this, we interview interviewing fans all over the world all different ages about their, their memories, categorising all these great memories and really interesting stories, as well as talking about West Ham players that, that were important to them or made an impact, maybe positive, maybe negative, but doesn't really matter. So in terms of you, Dave, obviously, you, you do a lot of stuff with obviously the podcast and the events and stuff, but going back right to the beginning for you, earliest West Ham memory, go. Uh,
2: I'd, I'd, I'd like to put a couple in there, if I yes, can. Of course um, you can. I mean, first- foremost like many West End fans I was born into it you know my, my family were a stone throw from the bowling ground that's, yep. that's where their, their houses were um, and I think I was born pretty much into a baby a West End baby grow so I had no fucking chance from the second I had oxygen in my lungs so um yeah I mean my earliest memory really I have to go back to so when I was a kid probably I don't know five or six I would say and um I could never, ever be seen without a ball at my feet. You know, whilst I was West Ham obsessed, and that was in my DNA, I was football obsessed. I was always in the street or always in the front room. And I remember as part of that growing up, I absolutely obsessed over the 1986 season that we had on VHS tape. I used to watch it day after day after day after day, just in awe of how good I thought West Ham were. Because I was only a kid, you know, I had no sort of maturity or knowledge of the game as such. But I'm watching this season just being blown away. You look at some of the players back then and the the games and the results and the excitement. And you could even feel from that season the atmosphere of Upton Park coming through the speakers. You know, it was such a magical season and I absolutely obsessed over that. And I used to recreate... Um, the games and the goals in the front room, turning sofas over for goalposts and using my mum's curtain as a net. And when, when that got too much and I got kicked out, I, I was just in the street the whole time. And the only time I'd come in was when it was too dark to see the football. So I was, I was football obsessed and I was West Ham obsessed. And I mean, that's my earliest memory. And then of course, the day came when I got to go to West Ham, which I'll, I'll forever hold in my heart for so many different reasons. And I just remember holding my dad's hand, walking down the Barking Road and just mobs and mobs of people. You've got to remember, I'm not used to seeing big crowds. I mean, I'll come to the game in a second, but I must have been about, God, oh, I was young, six or seven maybe, when I went to my first game. And you won't believe what the first game was, by the way. It was West Ham United seven, Hull City one. Wow! And it was, I think it was 1991, I think it was the old division two. And um, like I say, I remember walking down the barking road with my dad and and just these, These memories just stay with you for life. I mean, I remember the queue for Nathan's Pie and Mash, which was a queue that I I spent most of my West Ham life being part of. Um, Then there was the bowling and seeing all these West Ham fans outside of it and the smell of the burger vans and the hot dogs and just that. I don't know. Not that I even knew what working class meant then, but looking back, I think that's what I felt. I felt that these were working class people in the back then working class sport. And this football club of ours was just the most well-supported club on the planet with genuine passion from East London people who Mm. are, in my opinion, the the hardest, most passionate, charismatic people on the planet. And you just instantly felt part of that, even as a kid. You know, I never felt intimidated by those big crowds. I would have done, if I'd gone shopping somewhere and seen those crowds, Mm. I would have liked it. But because I knew that these were my own people, That felt special to me, and I've never ever forgotten that. And obviously, that became the trend for years and years and years after. Yeah. And of course, to leave the bowling ground, having I mean, witnessed a 7 1 victory, I thought we were also the best team on the planet. Yeah, so that's it. A-
1: that's it. Sorted. Completed it. Best dad. Completed it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I should never have gone back, really. I should have walked away at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i just
1: yeah, never yeah. gone back and never and, gone and that- the hot- Exactly the the heartbreak that you've had since since the early 90s. I was the same actually. Uh, well, no, I had a, I had a, my mine was a, I was a year after actually ninety two ninety three. So I was a glory hunter because I went up you know when we went up you know um, yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah I think it was against Oxford United and I think Oxford United scored after about a minute mm-hmm. and I was like yeah. so I so unlike you with a seven one bar, I was like straight at entry level West Ham you know like within a yeah. minute we concede. We won yeah. five three. I think Julian scored a pelter but um, but still, it doesn't matter. But I know what you mean, and it's yeah, it's, it's true. It's it's the thinking about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, because obviously you don't necessarily think about it now, but obviously because we're so used to going to a football match with yeah, what's say now sixty thousand people, and that's a lot of people for for a young kid. That must be really intimidating. But I don't remember that being that intimidated that's a good No, point. me neither.
2: Me neither. And um, you know, I, I think. Do you know, it's it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I look back now and I think of how special those times were. Mm. And I realised at the time how special they were, but it's a double-edged sword because they're not special anymore. You know, and going to the new stadium and, and football in general, you know, it's completely sold out, it's all corporate, mm. it's commercial, it's all about a pound note. And I just think, I don't know, whilst they were special times and, I, and I'm pleased that I experienced it, it's also sad that those days are well and truly gone for me, you know? And I, yeah. I, 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 I fell out of love with football a while ago, never fallen out of love with West End, but the game itself has never been quite been the same for
1: me. I, I agree. And I think actually, you know, it's horrible what's happened, what we're in at the moment, but it puts things in, a, I think it puts a lot of things into perspective. God, we're getting very deep, aren't we? Um, I think it puts a lot, a lot of things into perspective. And I think when, you know, obviously there's been lots of fragmentation between fans and things like that as well. I think that first time... Whenever it may be, might be a year's time, who knows? When sixty thousand people are back together and there's mm. that bubbles and I I press that play on that bubbles, that's gonna be a, like a real ooh, spin like like togetherness. And I hope, you know, people are appreciating football more because they have you know, you don't know what you've got to it's gone type thing. And not having football is like everyone's crossed. like when the Bundesliga started, everyone went, Oh my god, football and just like went to it, you know, like viewing figures of the Bundesliga went up and you know we never would have done that beforehand. So I hope that, you know, it puts things in perspective in terms of football for people. As you said, maybe oh, yeah. people who are a bit disenfranchised might be more
2: drawn in, maybe. Do, do you know what? I, yeah, I think you're right. And I think hopefully it does bring more of an appreciation of... Um, being at football together, but uh, mm. you know, one of the things that's disappointed me more in, in recent years as well, mainly with the development of social media, is just seeing West Ham fans ever pop at each other, and that's the other thing that hurts a little bit. You know, maybe it would have existed years and years ago yeah. if we had social media, but the fact that we didn't, you'd only really ever see these people face to face and be around them and be in amongst them, and yeah. you you would always be looked after and you'd always have a laugh and a joke, and they were your mates, and even if they didn't know you, they mm. was your claret and blue family whereas social media to a degree has killed that because there's always a dickhead, you know, that wants to have a pop or cause trouble mm. and you sort of think, is it society or is it West Ham fans, the wrong type of West Ham yeah. fan with a Twitter account? I don't know. So, yeah, no, so I agree. Things, mate, but let's hope that moving forward when, yeah. you know, Alex is put to bed that we can Definitely. all be able to super, you know?
1: Definitely. I think it is a societal thing because obviously you watch other fans, other channels, if they're, you know, their fan TVs, you know, and there's, there's obviously, you know, everyone has their opinions, I agree that, but you, you're right. And I think you're right as well in that, you know, when you were going in the early 90s, before social media came around, you were sat there, you knew Bob behind you, who had a flat cap, you know, Bill over there, who drinks above rule. Mm, mm. you'll 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 slag him off to your dad he's had he's had two bathrooms today that that's literally all you'd say you know or he's had a pop at him i don't think so but it'd be between the two of you and that's it you know so uh yeah. no i agree i just think it's a proliferation of social media god yeah, I mean, the, the, the topics we're covering i know i know i mean With muffins well, let's, let's just let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about rasvan rat instead let's talk about your
2: favorite <laughs> but you know what one, one funny story my brother's got because he's 12 years older than me so yeah, yeah he was lucky enough to experience some of the uh, 86 season. Yeah. And uh, he remembers really, really clearly. He was, um, I can't remember what, where he was sitting, but you know, you were all on top of each other in those days. And uh, he said that he's there, I think he was with his dad or his, or, or our uncle uh, and our dad. And uh, he felt this warmth down the back of his car, And it was an unnatural feeling. And he thought, what the fucking hell hell's that? Anyway, he's eventually found the space to turn around and look, Turns out the geezer behind him, obviously busting a piss, but where it's so packed, he can't be bothered. Yeah. He's rolled up a programme, put his nose through it, and just pissed in front of him up down with brother's leg. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, <laughs> it's been funny times over there. I mean, you wouldn't get out of London Stadium these days. But,
1: no, uh, you wouldn't. So let's let's move on to your uh, your eleven. So as I said, we we're asking people about the players that meant, and obviously you've got probably got quite a good catalogue of people you want to talk to, to talk about. But the idea being is sort of the 11 people that let's say it's your 11. So I said, it could be your favorite, your favorite 11, maybe your technically best 11 favorite and technically best might not be the same doesn't really matter. It's up to you who you want to talk about might be 11 people you hated maybe 11 people who didn't come onto the pod, for example, you know, it's it's up to you really doesn't mean it it can be as libelous as you want to be. Um, But we try and keep it to a 442 if we can. It's not a problem for people like you and me. But for older people, when they you know, I never knew what a left half was until
2: I still <laughs> don't. I still don't.
1: an <laughs> inside right. Um uh but you have to be in line to have seen them play. That's the only caveat. So yeah. obviously you and me couldn't put in Bobby Moore, we could put in, you know, Roger Johnson, yeah, you know, Javier Margas, you know, seems a fair swap, but that's what we'll do. So
2: yes, <laughs> I mate, my team, I'll tell you that now. Yeah, got it. Right, and let's start. Johnson didn't make the cut.
1: Ah, oh, did I just, I uh, was uh, about to say, it wasn't a spoiler alert. Right, we'll start between <laughs> the sticks, Dave. Who are we going to go with between the sticks? I've gone for I've
2: gone for a yep. 4 I've ticked the box of only ever picking players that I've seen live. Uh, if I'd been born 10 years earlier, it might look very different, but exactly. I wasn't. So I've gone the players I've seen That's and uh, and fought a lot of uh, for their time at the club. So, 4-4-2 and in the sticks. Um, I fortunately enough, in recent years, in my lifetime, anyway, we've actually been lucky with keepers. I think we've yeah, seen a lot yeah. of West Ham. You know, I, I love Shaka, I love Rob Green, I love Fabianski, um, I love David James as well. But for me, it has to be Ludo.
1: Yeah,
2: sure. Um, absolute man mountain. He was agile. He made excellent saves, uh, and an absolutely lovely fella off the pitch as yeah. well. So Ludo, I think, speaks for himself. Um, like I say, if I'd have been born earlier, possibly perhaps would have edged it. But for me, it goes to Ludo.
1: Exactly, and that's that's the whole idea of this is that is that if you said your you know if I said what's the West Ham Dream Eleven, everyone would say probably exactly the same bloody players but mm. that you know because you know about the myth of bobby moore you know, you know you've been brought up in a west ham family you you've heard players you've seen the videos but as is, you haven't got you got nothing no reference point apart from you know yeah. what you've been told we're here as you said you could have if you was 10 years earlier you probably maybe your brother would put put you know parks in instead of Ludo, yeah. for example. but that's the idea um and as you know I, I totally agree and as you said you know he's a lovely guy and you know you've had him on there I've heard some lovely stories and that's what's nice It's all these little personal stories, you know, yeah. like Scandinavian hammers one, he came back from a player's dinner because he promised them he was going to see them. And that was when they were staying at the new, at the old ground at the hotel, which was always fun. Um, and he stayed there for like two and a half hours, three hours, literally chatting to every individual and you know how many bloody Scandinavian hammers come over. Yeah. You know? So it's like, you know, it was a lovely yeah. guy. Right, I put Ludo between the sticks. Let's go, uh, let's go left back. I think I can probably guess who your left back's going to be. Um, yeah. Of yeah, Vlad- um, Vladimir LeBan. Yeah, no problems.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually Razvan Rat. But uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, there's only one choice. It picks itself. It's got to be Dixon. Yeah. Um, what can I say about Julian Dix, my old time West Ham hero? And it's, it's funny, you know, because you speak to the, the, the previous generation mm. and they'll always tell you Billy Bonds. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I grew up watching Billy Bonds on those famous VHS tapes, never yes. saw him lie But, you know, Billy was a warrior, he wore his heart on his sleeve, he got stuck in, he was a winner, he was a competitor, he was passionate, and, and he played for that badge, and he loved the football club. Now, Julian Dix was my Billy Bonds, yeah. uh, and as he was with every other West Ham fan of my age. And, you know, Dixie, his Achilles heel was his pace, I think, was his only downfall, but, mm. An absolute wand of a left foot. I mean, I don't think he's given credit for the actual ability that he had, Dixie. I mean, his, his range of passing was phenomenal, which not many people speak about. We all know about his penalties. And Jesus Christ, did he score some weldies? I mean, I, one that springs to mind, one of many, was Man City at home. I think we lost the game. Did we lose it? 4 2? at home, and Dixie fucking, he, he launched this strike from about oh, 30 yards out of yeah, yeah. the top corner. And you just think, you know, if that would have been David Beckham that would have scored that, they'd be showing it on Sky Sports as we speak, but Dixie was just unbelievable. I loved him as a player in terms of his, his, his ability, but mentally, I mean, he was, he was a man's man, he was a hard man, um, and he was, a, he was a passionate man who loves the club to this day, he loves the fans. Um, and just a, a top, top fella. I can't mm. speak highly enough of no, him. When, exactly. I was, when I was a kid, the reason I first got a skinhead was because of him. Uh, my mum spent money on a new West Ham shirt at the time. Well, if you remember Dixie, um, I don't know if he always done this, or certainly at the time, he used to cut the collar. Uh, I, I'd done that to my new new shirt, and mum done her bollocks over that, so that got me in a bit of hot water. I, caught, I had a hamster called Julian, to this day I've got a cat called Dixie. I can't speak enough of him, you know, he's. Um, you know, West Ham through and through, I love him
1: to exactly. death. Exactly, and it said, it's been said before, you know, there's left back, right back, you know, full backs aren't a glamorous position, you know, no. I mean, Carragher always tells about, you know, Gary Neville always does him over by that. I yeah. can't think of any left back in football in general, who had such a galvanising effect on a, on a team, you yeah. know, and also in terms of the fans, you know, that, that's all if it was a what if it was a naughty challenge if it as you said a 30 yard mm. pinger into the top corner there's no one i can think of who 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 can do that you know It can control a game from left back but as you said he's yeah there's not really much you can you can say about julian that hasn't been said but yeah he was mm. um, yeah well, and he's the same as me. He was, he was, missed, he is Mr. West Ham to me. I was mm-hmm. roughly, you know, roughly the same age as you, Dave, I think. So yeah, for me, he's, he's always been Julian. Right, okay, mm-hmm. we'll put Dick Dixie on the left. Who's gonna go right back position then, Dave?
2: Yeah, this was a toughie. Yeah. Because I don't think in my lifetime we've been blessed with outstanding right backs, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah, agreed. Um, immediately my brain went to Schemmel because I go back to that season he had where he won Hammer of the Year, and he was he was a well beater in that season. Yeah. And I thought we had one hell of a player on our hands, but it, it didn't work out, and you could probably put him down as a bit of a one-season wonder, despite how good he was. So I looked for a little bit more longevity. Um, so I was kind of torn between two. One was Stevie Potts, because I thought he's Mr. Reliable, the service he gave the club was second to none. Um, great player, great person. And again, Mr. West Ham's still at the club to this day. But, I'm gonna go with Tim Breaker on yep. this, purely because I could list the same reasons as Pottsy. You know, he gave best part of a decade of his life to West Ham, he was defensively sound, solid. But the difference for me between Tim and Pottsy was Tim was better going forward. Yes. And I thought Tim liked it at the flanks and he had a great cross on him. So for me that's why he edges it. So Tim goes uh, yep. goes Agreed. into my
1: number two. Agreed. Um although didn't you see Pottsy's goal? You would have seen it. His first is it whole city anyway. So you very saw it. Very good,
2: very good. That that yes. was a collector's item that day because that it was indeed Potts goal. He hit it from about fucking 400 yards kick,
1: leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> <Well done>. Yeah, <laughs> no Tim Breaker, yeah, good shout. Yeah, and and uh, watching back uh, obviously Robert Banks is he's digitalising, he's putting up all the the season reviews on, on YouTube I didn't realize how good Tim Breaker was to be honest I, I, I underappreciated but um, when I did um, oh. interview Kenny Brown he was saying how he was like Tim was like the complete player he was like so yeah. athletic and I never thought yeah. of him in that like pedestal but actually watch him again yeah totally agree right Timmy did
2: you know what though? I think we're all guilty of that at times, you know, it's, yeah. I think like a lot of things in life, you appreciate it more when it's gone. And I think yeah. Tim from a footballing perspective was, was right. I mean, we've done a kind of an underrated 11 on the podcast and I think Tim went in at right back and rightfully so, you know, he was the full package in the sense that he wasn't the best right back in the world, but everything he did, he did so well. Mm. And mentally, you know, he was professional again. He was a grafter and, uh, no, Tim for me he's comfortably got that spot in my team. Mm.
1: Good chap. Okay, let's go centre backs. Who we go over
2: your centre backs then, Dave? Well, he's often described as a Rolls Royce, and I think that's the perfect way of describing him. Yeah. Third man. Yeah. What a player! I mean, look Mm. at the player he went on to become, and and I don't think any West Ham fan was truly surprised to see that development because he was he was something else. I mean, the first time you saw him, I think what stands out to me was his physicality. Mm. You know, he was he was he was a lump, Rio. He was tall. But for me, what made Rio special, It was so many defensive attributes that that made him solid. But I don't really think you see many ball playing defenders these days. You don't see many ball playing centre halves. And Rio was probably the best um, ball playing centre half of my lifetime across all clubs, in, in my opinion. He was absolutely fantastic. And ironically, I think that his debut, I think, and I might have this wrong, I think, he came on for the player who went off, and the player who went off—it was his last game for West Ham, and that is who I'm partnering in with Rio like in it. this team. Do okay. you know who that is? I'll
1: leave you. I'll leave you, to, I'll leave you to, an, to announce it, Dave. But yeah, great well, shout for Rio. I put it Right, first and foremost. <laughs> will um, you say it? And I'm where's... sure. I'm sure if you got it wrong, someone will, someone will tell you on Twitter. No. <laughs>
2: well, where's, where's X when you need him? I know. Um, Right, so you've got Rio and next to him is Alvin Martin. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that Alvin Martin played his last game for West Ham and he came yeah. off for Rio, who had his first game for West Ham.
1: I'm pretty sure. Um,
2: Rio I think speaks for itself. So we'll, we'll talk about Alvin now. Now Alvin was in the twilight years of his career when I saw him at West Ham. I, I, I saw him far from his best. That said, the fact that I've kind of triggered being able to tick the box of seeing him live coupled with the fact that he could still play, Alvin. Uh, he was a hard man, again, a grafter, was a winner. He was someone that had a, an effect on his teammates as well. He was well-liked. And you've just got to look at the fact that he was coming to the end of a, a 20-year period at West Ham. Mm-hmm. And if you know Alvin's backstory, I know this isn't relevant to Best eleven, but he was a kid coming from Liverpool. Yeah. You know, that's, that's that's daunting for anyone. And I've sat down with Alvin in depth about his story, and. You know, to, to, to listen to how he progressed from just joining a football club to falling in love with a football club, like mm. Alvin has done, uh, is incredible. So I think the fact that he could still play when I was able to see him, the fact that he gave go 20 years of his life to West Ham means that he gets my nod uh, next to Rio. And to be quite honest with you, I think even if we're doing an all-time um, West Ham 11, he would be there or thereabouts. Yeah
1: no i agree i agree and and, and i think it, there's there's a few people i call adopted cockneys um yep. uh Ginge and and alvin are, are the two that stick in my mind he just gets it still lives in still is in the area you know his grandkids go to my go to my daughter's school and you know and got time for anyone and he just got West Ham. He just got the area. He got the fans. Got the club. And that's why people still love him. And that's why they give him the honour of, I mean, who who did the whole Billy Bonds tribute thing at the club? Alvin Martin. He didn't,
0: yeah, he didn't, exactly. You know? And so, yeah. that, that
1: again, that shows, could have gone with a presenter, you know, like Chris yeah. or, or Martin, but no, it went with Alvin. And yeah. two rightly so. But said. Alvin's one
2: of the best as well. I'll tell you, you give Alvin the mic, yeah, I mean, he's good. done the us before and he's like a stand up comedian. Great you know, show, he was yeah. incredible. And uh, no, I mean, when it came to centre rafts, I'm comfortable with those centre raft choices. Mm. But I did think about Billich, I did mm. think about Reaper, I did yeah. think about Ginge. And to be honest, any of these selections could be fairly questioned. Of yeah, of course they um, can. But for me, I think, yeah, I think Alvin and Rio. But, I you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm ticking the box to get these players in, but I'm ticking the box based on them at their peak.
1: I know, of course. And I think actually they'd complement each other quite well, them too as a partnership, yeah. Alvin and particularly Julian, and even Tim, Tim liked to mix it. You know, if he got a bit tasty, you've got people, and then yeah. Rio could actually do, which is what I think he should have done more when he left West Ham was be the ball playing rather than Alex Ferguson, you know, making him a defender. If he carried on doing what he was doing in terms of West Ham before he moved, obviously, you know, because Alex Ferguson seemed to knock all that Creativity out a little bit, he would be mm-hmm. in the same folders as Barese and people like that in terms of that accolade. I don't think, you know, it's almost like they, they you know, he became a defender rather than a, a ball player, you know, which now, now people, everyone wants he was almost yeah. like a couple of years ahead of his time to be honest i think you know um yeah. now people don't want that bruiser they want the ball player you know the club yeah. and gradi it starts in the back you know but um he would have been you know ahead of his time then right lovely okay let's crack on let's go let's go uh let's go left wing david we have left wing
2: uh well this one's through gritted teeth and again <laughs> from saying that i think you're gonna know what i'm gonna say um i to give it to snakey mcsnakerson i've got to i've yeah. got to give it to the victory you know, being a season ticket holder in that final season at the Bolin, I just, in my lifetime, I mean, there's one other player, and I'll get to him in a minute, but I, he just he just defied the laws of the game, you know, yeah. he would just get the ball. Every time he got the ball, the excitement, the shared excitement within the stadium that he would make something happen. And we're not just talking about a great little touch or beating one player. You know, we're talking about... Doing skills that you should you shouldn't have the bottle to do at such a high level, yeah. but not only doing it, but beating three or four players in the process, and it just he never ceased to amaze you. You know, wow. he, he, your jaw would drop from the most basic things that he would do to beating three or four players to taking, you know, free kicks that didn't seem physically possible, and he was just an incredible, he an was. incredible player. It, it broke the hearts of every West Ham fan he when he left and the way he left. But for that one season, mm-hmm. and I'm contradicting myself because of Shemmel. I, 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 I know what you mean. It's, it's a different thing. And again, it's, 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 thing. it's the
1: glamour. It's a glamour, you know, right back isn't a glamorous position. So you've had a good season at right back. Yeah. Great. Yeah, But, yeah. you know, in terms of what he did and the stars aligned and he had the yeah. right manager, the right man management, you had the right time voting. Yeah. And and you know, technically, I think Payet was the best player I've technically I've ever seen at West Ham. You know, there's not yeah, many d'Or nominees who play no. for West Ham.
2: <laughs> well that well that says it all. He was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I just I think you'd struggle to find. There's one other choice we'll get to in a second, uh, in another position where I think he did achieve this. But since him, I don't I've seen a ground it collectively, so excited with one player getting the football, and despite the fact that I hate him, and I'll never forgive him for the way he yeah. treated the football club and leaving Slaven with a head of hair like me and you. Yeah. Um, I think I can't overlook him. I can't overlook That's just true. how special he was and what a privilege it was to see him play. Good, yes, so privilege, he's
1: good word. Privilege, privilege is a good word, definitely, and and I totally agree. You know, he's, he was a very unassuming man. You look at him. Didn't like a football player, quite a little podgy, like, you know, not the same. i I'm, yeah, he's quite a small guy, but yeah, for what he could do for football, I don't think I've ever seen anyone that matched him. And as you said, but you get that, you do get in terms of the after, you know, the character that always seems to happen with those types of players, those mercurial players. And people forget how he joined us was a similar mm. way to how he left us. It's
2: like, well, yeah, you uh, know, the about couldn't yeah? Exactly, you know, totally because, same about couldn't you exactly? Same, exactly.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Right, okay, we'll go we'll go other wing, let's go right wing. Here we go, right wing, Dave.
2: I'm going to put Trevor Sinclair there. Yep, nice. Um, just, I think he was part of a very special era for me at West Ham, mm. you know, having a season ticket in the mid to late 90s under Harry Redknapp uh, was a real special time, and the football that we were playing, and you would go to West Ham, and we haven't felt like this in a while, let's be honest, you'd go to West Ham expecting to win, Mm. And you'd you'd be expected to be entertained, and and the group contained so many good characters, and it, it was just such a great time to be a West Ham fan. Yeah. Um, and you know it was a great bit of business as well. From memory, I think was it Dowie and Roland that went yeah, the other the way for Trev? In,
1: yeah, yeah, in which a uh, so, yeah.
2: which in turn brought the the transfer fee down for Trev. I mean, Christ Almighty, every yeah. penny of that was well spent because he was just brilliant. You know, Trev was was quick, he was skillful. Um, he was versatile. I mean, he could play on the wing. He could play up front. He could play right wing back. Uh, he was he was just a real quality, quality player. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my, I, I remember Trevor Sinclair very well because my, my granddad, God bless his soul, uh, he, <laughs> he, his eyesight was going. Um, so any black player for West Ham, if he did something good, was Trevor Sinclair. could have <laughs> been, you know, oh, Best bloody player of the pitch, that is. And uh, yeah, bless him. But um, yeah. but yeah, no, Trevor Sinclair. Totally agree. And also, you know, one of those players, very few players in recent times who were a regular England player when they were playing for West Ham. You know, obviously, Dex mm. Greenough, but Sinclair in that, that World Cup 2002, you know, he was, he was exceptional. Great. Okay, we'll put Chicky Tre- Trevor on the left. Centre, here we go. Centre mids. Then they- Well,
2: some people, when they do this, understandably... <laughs> Probably takes a little bit too seriously, and yeah. they start thinking strategically. And you think, well, I'll, I'll have a defensive midfielder next to an attack." You know, I'll, I'm not into all that bollocks. No. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna talk about you know two exciting players that yeah. have just got to be in that midfield four for me. If I was to go down a strategic route, and I was very tempted with some of these players, Scotty Parker, yeah, um, yeah, unbelievable for West Ham, unbelievable. Broke my heart when he went to Tottenham. I don't care what the circumstances were. Really went down in my estimation because of how much I hate Tottenham, so I was gutted with that. What a player he was. You know, even Declan Rice, you know, yeah. could, could, could get a, a call-up in that position. You know, there's, there's, there's so many players, Michael Carrick, Johnny Moncur, but I've gone with two players, again, that excites me. I mean, this is one elephant attack in midfield. I've been with the, <laughs> the, um, the first one I'm going to go with is Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, because I think in my lifetime, I've never heard so much buzz and hype yeah. around a kid coming through the academy, like I did with Joe Cole, to yeah. a point where I, like every other West Ham fan, was frothing at the mouth to see this kid play. And when he did play, he was just a freak, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the things he did, the, the, the tricks and the skills, and again, similar to Dimitri in the sense yeah, that no, he was be, playing and shouldn't be beating, and, and the yeah. way he was doing it was so unorthodox and unpredictable. that a West Ham, we love to be entertained, and, and, it, and it forms part of the West Ham way to be entertained by exciting yeah. attacking players. And Joe Cole was exactly that just an incredible player. Who, again, obviously, went on to have a great career. But one probably irrelevant thing I loved about Joe Cole is even up until he retired, he's, he's one player that it's going to sound like a bit of a strange thing to say loved the game of football. And when I see players playing football, especially at West Ham, I, I like to see him enjoying the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah you enjoy the game you can also be better at the game and where Joe was so focused that was all over his face and he played with a smile and you could see it was almost like reminding you of when we were kids playing football in the street and the reason we got into football in the first place and Joe kind of carried that through to the professional game but just also happened to be one hell of a player with it. So, Joe, great memories of him. Um, and I think it would be wrong of me not to
1: put him in there. I agree. I agree. And I agree what you mean. You know, it's like, and, and the way he talks on BT Sport, particularly when, when they have live football, so mm. eloquent, so mm. clever. He's, he's, mm. you know, I think a lot of people would underestimate. Very similar to, I'm not very similar, but, you know, when Owen Hargreaves retired, he became a really good pundit. No, he, he doesn't yeah. do it. But it's that sort of saying, you know, he, Knows what you're talking about, this boy, and as you said, mm. love of the game. And I, I agree, when players have got a smile on their face, when they're doing you know, yeah, because you know, pir- they Joe used to do that lovely little pirouette, didn't they? I remember uh, the yeah. FA Cup, we had Bertie Braley on before, and he was saying about that. He did these bloody pirouettes all the time, and yeah, I used to yeah. love him. But anyway, Joe's in Who, who's gonna Joe's partner in this uh midfield, then Dave?
2: I've got to go with Ile Burkovich. yeah, because. I think he was rated at West Ham, but I think if he would have been at a top four to six club, he would have been a hell of a lot more rated than what he was. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Al, Al Berkovic for me, was, and I know this is a massive statement, in my opinion, one of the best players in the final third in terms of his final ball mm. the club has ever seen. Mm. I, I genuinely believe that. Not the best. I'm not saying he's the best. Definitely one of the best. Yeah. Now, you look at the amount of goals Johnny Artson scored for West Yeah, exactly, team. totally. How many of those goals would have come without Isle? Even though he kicked him in the fucking edge, you know? No hard feelings. Still went on to create great partnership. But I just used to watch Isle. And, do you know, it's funny. You know, there's a lot of wing play these this day and age. There's a lot of backwards and forwards. There's a lot of trying to penetrate the final third and get through the back four. You don't really see it that often these days. Isle used to used to do this week in, week out. That's up to Mm -hmm. the striker if he puts it away. But watching Arborkovic, he had quick feet, he was an intelligent player, his vision was incredible. And as long as the striker was intelligent enough to to make the right runs, I would pick him out. And I just, I thought that was so underappreciated. And he, for me, is the best player I've seen in the final third, with a final ball. Mm. Um, certainly in my lifetime. So for that reason I've got to be there. He was one hell of a player. He was. Great
1: shit. And again, yeah, looking through those season reviews, you didn't yeah, I think it's I didn't appreciate how much he did as a as a player. Do you know what I mean? No. And I know what you mean about sort of like the, you know, someone like Tricky Chev for example. You know, you don't no. get that very often. The wingers just staying on the right foot, you know, he's right footed put him on the right wing rather than yeah. cut inside, you know, and try and score, and just bomb it down the wing, beat the left back, cross it in. It's so mm. simple, football could be such a simple game, but we over-complicate, yeah. as you said, with this ticky tacky, you know, and, and yeah, Berkovic, and yeah, that midfield would, you know, be first on match of the day, that's for sure, whether it's 5-0 mm. or lost 5-0, whatever, <laughs> fuck it. But yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Right, okay, who's gonna go up front then, then David, who have got the strikers?
2: Right, I'm gonna go with um, Tony Cotty. Yeah. Because Tony's not only one of our own, and he came through the youth system. Obviously, I know he had two spells at West Ham. So, you know, I was lucky enough to see him in the second spell. I just think with Tony, it's pure and simple for me. Mm. He he was one of the most natural finishers I've ever seen in the game, full stop. You know, he was a fox in the box. And again, you know, you talk about underrated positions or attributes in the game. Yeah, a fox in the box. Oh, God, what I'd give for West Ham if a fox in the box now. You know, all right, you're not, you're not going to get the glamorous 20, 30 yarders or the overhead kicks. Or Despite the fact I said that, tony scored an amazing one against Forest a few years back. But, <laughs> um, but, but typically, you're going to be picking up the scraps. But when you're picking up the scraps, you've got to have the intelligence to put yourself in a position mm. to, to get those scraps and then yeah. put the ball away. And ultimately, when you're looking at goal scoring records and the achievement of what goals can get the side, No one gives a shit how they go in. They can go in off your ass. You know, would you rather score five incredible, spectacular goals a season or 25-30 within the six yard box? I know what I'd rather, I know what the fans would rather. And Tony was, was exactly that. Just, again, he worked hard. Um, he, he desperately wanted to win. He loved scoring goals, and he was just so good at it. What a natural finisher! And uh, I loved him, Tony. Yeah. And loved as you him. said, as you said, he was a predator.
1: You know, he he, he, could, was. he was very intelligent, reading the that situation. You know, and that takes a real skill to you know preempt where the ball's going to be. You know, it's like you can stand in a ball with pasture, you, but it's that sort of yeah. knowing where it's going to be. No, I totally agree. Great shout! Who's going to partner T uh, C up front then?
2: Well, this is my other hero, uh, and it's it's. Di Canio, it's yeah. gotta be, Paolo Di Canio. I mean, this man, it's its hard to describe him. And it's funny, you know, my, my non-West Ham fan mates, and I, I try not to have too many. Um, you know, they've asked me in the past about Paolo because they, they hear how good he is. And you've got to remember that a lot of people, a lot of fans back in those days only had match of the day. Yeah. So if you see Paolo, you might see him score. you might see him do something fantastic. But I always say, do you know what, in my opinion, you'd never really truly appreciate just how good Paolo was unless you were watching him week in, week out for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's how I felt, you know, you, you could get a grasp of how good he was, he used to do some incredible things, but it, it was the stuff that the cameras didn't pick up on, on on Match of Day Highlight Reel, you know? And again, it was another era where I was fortunate enough to be a season ticket holder and just the little things, you know, like a, a bowl that was smashed up into the air and you'd think it would be touch and go for anyone to bring it down. And, and it just suddenly just would just glued to his foot. Yeah. But that wouldn't be enough for him. It glued to his foot and then he'd just flick it, you know, behind his body and create a chance for yeah, someone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, moments like that. And for me, Paolo was was poetry in motion. Yeah. That's what he was, he was poetry in motion. Good so team. you've got the ability aspect and what, what ultimately made him a club legend was his raw intensity mm, and his mm. desire and passion to win. And he's no hold bars love for West Ham United and the fans. So you've got someone that excites you, you've got someone that delivers on the pitch, and then you've got that emotional attached with someone. It's a full house with Carlo, and that's yeah. why he's a legend. And I couldn't possibly pick this team not every minute because no. he was just he was a special, special player. Mm. He really was
1: exactly and 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 again what you know he got the fans he got it and for a foreign player to get the fans and get you yeah. know probably slightly easier maybe for italian because obviously the italian fans are crazy as well and they have a real yeah. sort of affiliation but still yeah and and you know he had the song and that song just resembles that whole era for me there's sort of you know, obviously Payette's song was that that Time of yeah you know, time of year we were that sort of period of our history, but that song was just you know it was perfect and yeah he was and like someone said to me the other day about Paolo uh, again a non West Ham fan I'll block him soon um, and he <laughs> said um, you know what was this big deal and I said look go and find yeah. Bradford, the Bradford City game right yeah. and just watch it from beginning to end that's all you need to know about Paolo at that time mesmeric you know uh, through his his toys out the pram, you know, scores a great goal, then has a fight about a ball, you know, and that was him. He was just not, and that's yeah. what West Ham fans love. You said that's all.
2: Yeah. Of... Um, you, you could have gone there just to watch Paolo. Yeah, easily. Yeah, he, was, he was just, um, you know, it was like going to the theatre watching Paolo. He was just, yeah. you just don't get players like him. He, yeah, he was no, absolutely no. incredible. No. Loved him. Yeah. Absolutely loved him. And, you know, Dixie's is my all time favourite player, but, you know, a fag paper in it. <laughs> No, like, no, I absolutely okay. adore them both. I adore a lot of these players we're talking about.
1: Yeah, no, me too, me too. And That's the special. thing. It's it's great to sort of talk about these players in a bit more context, you know, and your, your memories and stuff. Because obviously we see a bit on YouTube, but there's you know we selectively remember certain things, and that's that's what's mm-hmm. great about it. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate no it. And, no. and 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 thank you to everyone else who's been watching. Obviously, you know, like, share, subscribe. Obviously. Get yourself on the on the West Hamway podcast and, uh, and stuff like that as well. It's brilliant. Uh, and until next time, guys, take care and stay safe. Bye-bye.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumpercasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>